Welcome to Girl Flower Podcast with Vic and Jess. We will be having conversations and inspirational chinwags with florists and growers to keep you company in your workspaces, in the car, over a cuppa or wherever you like to listen. We hope to help you along on your own floral journey. Morning Vic. <laughs> Morning dear. How are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing all good here. Um, so this week, Vic, we are talking with Florence and James from Petalon Flowers. And I honestly couldn't be more excited because I've really wanted to chat to these guys for a while now. Yeah, and I've been following their journey for a long time um, from their sort of beginnings in London and also more recently they move out into the country and they've started to grow their own their own flowers there as well it all just looks absolutely perfect and i know they've obviously made a massive move down there and i can't wait to to find out a bit more about the hows whys and when so yeah really looking forward to this chat yeah so let's 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 crack let's on begin So first question, really unfloristry related, and it's how did you two meet? Um, so we've known each other since we were about 13. Yeah, I was listening to the news this morning. No, not the news. I should stop confusing Pirate FM with the news. Pirate <laughs> is the local Cornish radio station that doesn't really do news. Um, the top news story the other day was about Brooklyn Nine-Nine having its last series. So that gives you an idea of the sort of ground they cover. But <laughs> they they were doing a um, what guess the year of the song. And uh, there's some absolute belters by Westlife in there. And it was it was 1999. And one of the like little facts that went with it was, it was the year that MSN Messenger launched. And I was just like, oh my God, I remember in 1999 having MSN Messenger on my parents' computer and having Florence as a contact. <laughs> her, I can't remember her email address. What was your email address? It was something really bad. It wasn't that bad. You have a bad teenager no, was... Maybe it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like floppy princess. Or oh my God. Well, Jess, Jess only just got rid of her floppy Jess email. <laughs> year and a half. Amazing. Um, so, so yeah, I remember having as a contact on there, but and knowing who she was, she was at another school in the same town as me, but but not having really met her and but but knowing that she was extremely intimidating <laughs> and then and then what happened next i guess um i largely ignored you for our teenage years mm. and then we were at the same university and i saw you once in freshness week i was like all right and, <laughs> and then i just didn't see him again for three years although because we were up at newcastle and because we lived in bath the cheapest way to get back home was actually to fly mm. um oh, and so i remember seeing him at bristol airport and i was like oh god there's that guy from bath again hiding <laughs> 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 behind something and checking because i was like oh, i'll just wait for him to go through because i can't be bothered to have to make small talk for the whole flight and uh <laughs> and then, and then I, i'm so sorry I, I am much nicer than that now um and and i grew into my looks it would seem <laughs> <laughs> and then um yeah moved to london and uh, we've got a mutual friend who was my flatmate um it's it this sounds really awful but um i just saw him in the street and i was like oh yeah that that's mine like 
that's who I'm going to be with. And I had another boyfriend at the time and it wasn't like I immediately dumped him to go. I just got this, something just clicked in my head. And I was like, oh yeah, that, that's the person I'll spend the rest of my life with. That's fine. Um, but we were babies. We were like, what, 22? 22. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then we just. And then we did. Did get together <laughs> a few months oh. later. Then, that is such a good story. Yeah, is a good I love story. how indifferent you were to him. Oh yeah. Very indifferent. Yeah. Extremely indifferent. And we were both, we were quite like, um, we were quite, we'd both done stuff and we were growing up and we were 22, but, you know, looking back, we were kids as well. Like that's the start of your adulthood, really. If you go to university, at least, that's the start of your adulthood, isn't it? Because mm. you certainly don't get any older in the three years you're at uni. And um, and so it's kind of weird because because we met then and we've literally grown up together as a result. So we've kind of, we did having a first proper job together and and quitting we didn't work together no, not, not quite yet uh and then and you know went through loads of those things like you know living in your first not terrible place in london and then you know the first people each other lived with and that and that sort of thing so it was it was it's a weird story in my head as well because it's very difficult to separate florence from any part of mm. adulthood now basically in a nice way <laughs> <laughs> Not in, a, not in a bad way, but then the fact that we were from the same town and we sort of knew who each other were when we were kids as well, kind of, it means we've got lots of the same references and yeah. quite a lot of mutual friends from back then um, that, that form our, our social group now as adults. So it's, it is a, um, uh, a chronically inter- intertwined story. And it's, it's a it's lovely story. Kind of romantic, kind of boring, yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not boring at all. It's lovely. <laughs> Well, yeah. so that leads us on because you you both haven't worked together you, you haven't worked together forever you've both come from separate businesses and so if we can ask you Florence how you first got into floristry and then we can um, so on. we must have been what 25 26 25, 25. Yeah. and um and James had already started his bicycle business James been building bikes and um it was really exciting living with someone who's following their dream. And I was really involved in like the design process and choosing colors and what the lugs would be like, where kind of everything connects on the bike and um, modeling. Model, no, no. <laughs> bike on the website. But, yeah. In pictures, school modeling. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it wasn't my dream, you know, you, 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 I was kind of living through sort of James's, like, oh, I love something on my own. And um, I worked for a business at the time called, it's this agency called Con- uh, Contagious. And they'd hate me saying it's trend forecasting, but essentially that's what it is. And um, they used to do publications and they also did consultancy and, and things like that. But they had a page in their magazine, which was called Small But Perfectly Formed. And it was just, it used to highlight small businesses that were doing just like one thing really well. And it was just so neat and beautiful and just like, I was like, oh, if I had my own business, I'd love something small but perfectly formed. Mm. And um, and around that time, James did a very romantic gesture um, where I thought I had a sales training day in King's Cross, but um, he was in cahoots with my boss at the time. And actually, I got on the Eurostar, I went to Paris for my birthday. Mm. Lovely. Um, and as a thank you to my boss, James sent her a bunch of flowers and they were so shit. Oh. <laughs> I just it's good because she sat opposite me and I just saw this very sad bunch of flowers on her 
desk, but it was just on it's you know the amount of money that someone of our means would have been able to spend just on a small thank you. And even though there are obviously lots of really beautiful um, florist shops and companies in London, like their minimum spend is understandably higher than something maybe James would be able to afford at the time um, because you need to get someone to deliver them and you know so many factors involved in it um, and also James wouldn't have known where to look for them so I'm sure all you did was just google flowers probably, and, um, the, probably the cheap flowers cheap flowers yeah. <laughs> um, and so I mean no I knew I wanted to do something I just didn't you know, I liked flowers, but I wasn't obsessed with them. I had friends that, you know, had to go to Columbia Road every Sunday and needed fresh flowers in the house. And I, I honestly just wasn't, I think it felt like an exclusive club that, you know, I didn't know what all the flower names were or anything. It kind of just felt separate. Mm. Uh, but then I was like, oh, I wonder if you could deliver nice flowers for that amount of money. If you kind of cut out all the extraneous stuff. Yeah, you know, if it became like that small but perfectly formed thing where you were like, okay, cut out all the things people don't need to pay for, you know, mm -hmm. here actually, and then what can you do? And you know, the one thing we had lots of was bikes. So um, I mean, I only needed one, but you know, we had all of James's bikes had just arrived, and so it's like, well, delivery by bicycle, then you wouldn't have to pay congestion. There wouldn't, you know, parking would be fine, and I'd be able to do it. And um, so then we built a trailer for the bike. Um, so my setup costs were really minimal. So, I mean, I was in sales at the time, so I just saved up my commission to have something to live on for three months. And then if it didn't work out, I'd just find another job. It wasn't like I had to invest lots of money into it. Um, I think I bought a laptop maybe, um, and, you know, built a Squarespace website and, um, and three grand, I think mm. from memory, I think we thought then Floss could live for a couple of months if we didn't do very much. Um, and then, and that'd be it. Like we built the trailer and we had the bikes and the laptop was about a hundred quid. Um, so the rest of it was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, how do we survive while we're not earning any, any money, basically. And I managed to make some profit at the end of the second month, but only like 400 quid, which is really great for a business but not great for paying rent and eating and just generally being able to survive um, and so James's dad really sweetly was just like you just need a bit more time and so I think he gave me another grand or two he gave you another two grand yeah and then as soon as he lent me that I don't know he gave he very sweetly gave me that money um and back and like in business terms that doesn't seem like a lot but when you're doing it on a shoestring like that's like <laughs> that's life-changing amount of money um and so then sales started to pick up because uh, the, i guess the thing with flower delivery is your customer and your recipient are two different people mm. so if the recipient likes the product and then they become your customer next time they need to send flowers so you know i couldn't afford marketing and i i really kind of worked really hard to send flowers to journalists who just didn't give a toss mm. but then as soon as I stopped trying to impress journalists or you know try and get the word out there and I just concentrated on making it the best I could then I think journalists like to feel like they've discovered you mm. and so then I, we got really great PR after a few months because um because yeah I think people felt like they were discovering us and that you know we, we were trying to do it by bike and I'm not trying we did but um yeah it just sort of grew 
gradually that way. Um, and at the beginning, it was really hard because there would be weeks where James would sell more bikes than I did bouquets. And obviously, they're at incredibly different price points. So I sometimes felt it, not that we were in com- competition with each other at all. It's just like, you know, I had a very small product and James had these flashy bikes and that he was selling way more of those than I was flowers. But then you only buy one bike and then you bought it. Whereas with flowers, I guess you reorder, you know, you buy for different people. And then ours just sort of steadily grew. Mm. Um, yeah, if it was a competition, you could think of it like I scored first, but then <laughs> won about 14 won. Yeah. <laughs> it was more of the, in the fullness of time I had the same I mean in the same way that you know I had a product that was in some ways self-marketing but with stuff like that I mean in the end quality if you can hang around long enough then quality tends to speak for itself and I think with the flowers it was you could see the curve like with Petalon fairly early on and even though we were still very small you could see even after six months a year the growth and it was yeah. consistent and you were like this is london this is 10 million people we we're only delivering in london at the time there's no reason this should stop before this graph looks very very different you know yeah. this should, this should, this should go that makes it long. sound like it just got better and better i've tried to put us out of business many a time like that's not <laughs> that's a different that's the answer to a different question right? yeah but i don't want it <laughs> like and then we just grew and it got better and it got more successful no that's not what happened at all but um we had those I think with anything where you have those kind of teenage years as well where um so it's getting to a point where I'm like okay I can afford to have someone help me out one day a week two days a week maybe someone to help with delivering because at the time you know I it was hard on my own, but I'd get up at 3 30 to get to the market for 4 30 on a bike on a bike with a trailer going through Vauxhall, which is not ideal. Um, a lot of clubs. <laughs> it's a lot of clubs. <laughs> a lot of broken glass. You're like, oh, I could really do with not having a puncher at four o'clock in the morning in Vauxhall. Um, so I'd load up my trailer and then I'd cycle back to Hackney and then I'd spend the morning making bouquets, taking orders, writing messages, and then I'd spend the afternoon delivering. And I think my maximum that I could do on my own was probably about 20 bouquets a day but so I but I wouldn't get 20 bouquets a day that was kind of like my limit and then um and then I've got a rider to help me two days a week just to give me a bit of a rest and then um someone to help me with the flowers one day a week and then it sort of grew from that but then once you start having to pay people and then when you have a baby then suddenly I wasn't getting paid but the business was still going because they could afford to pay people to work there so you know it we had moments where we really yeah and check in with ourselves and make sure our priorities were were right at each bit I asked you about the start of the business we've we're probably about sorry I'd say we're about that's all right it's fine no this is this is great no this is great this is great but I'd like to kind of just go back just to touch um because obviously when I came across Petalon it was quite early I came across you so I've been following you for a long time and it did seem like a completely it was completely unique idea to really pair it back um I'd never seen anything being delivered by bike like it was completely completely new concept um, and then even things down to the Hessian wraps. You were doing, you were always done your wraps with Hessian. Yeah, and I tried loads of different things at the beginning because I, I remember my original idea was, well, it was all very well giving someone flowers because most of our um, deliveries back then were to businesses rather than to residential. 
Um, and I was like, well, no one's got a vase at work. So I was looking into getting tin cans and uh, it just, it, it didn't work and it wasn't cost effective. But um, but yeah, the Hessian wrap was the, I didn't want to use plastic if I could help it. Um, yeah, that was one of the other <laughs> transparently, uh, transparently, uh, horrendous <laughs> things about flower delivery at the time, which was that whole kind of square paper bag, load of plastic flowers in there, making that noise. Mm. Noise. They kind of make them on the desk, and they kind of go. It's like, oh, screen quality. Thank you. Um, and I, I like trying to do that differently because it it felt cheap. Mm. So it was one of those really obviously odd things, decisions that have been made in the industry and the people have kind of rolled with, which was mm. like this is how you deliver flowers. This is how they look like when they arrive. And yet, if you'd asked 100 people, it's like, do you like that? Like, <laughs> almost <laughs> no one would have, would have said yes. Like, it's not particularly practical or nice. It's just how things have been done. It's just mm-hmm. like, great, um, should we, shall we not? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and then exploring, you know, the packaging, God. Yeah, the packaging thing with flowers. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a quite a boring podcast in itself. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's... You know, that, that that journey starting with the Hessian, actually then the practicalities of that, if you decide, okay, we're going to wrap this in Hessian, where do you get that? And it's like, you can get those big rolls. People which know I did, they, which and I cut them all. It was me with the circular saw trying to cut huge rolls of Hessian. Hessian's really strong. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> a circular it saw, it wins. Like, yeah. it will so then you're like sawing it by hand and I've got these amazing pictures of Becky who still works with us like with a foot up on a table this huge roll of Hesse and just <laughs> winding her arm back and forth with a hacksaw trying to like oh. take a Hesse off the end of it but then you still have to and cut, then you still have to so cut each 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 so, so like stuff like that you know when people haven't done stuff like that before there are a million people you can buy all that flower packaging you've seen before from yeah. There's no you can buy squares of hessian from it turns out you have to find someone who will cut it up for you. Um so oh, we were discussing that though weren't we just before we yeah. came on we were like I wonder what how you know like where they get their hessian from. It's yeah. So- yeah. <laughs> it's say it was an interesting answer but it's just we went down a google hole and yeah. we found yeah. Fun, yeah. loads well, of we found someone in Leicester who was willing to cut it up for us basically. Well, for that. <laughs> yeah. But- I'm really glad you did stick with the with the Hessian idea because that is like a really important part of your branding now, isn't it? You yeah, see actually, a bouquet you know, wrapped in Hessian and you instantly think of petals. Because there have been times when I'm like, oh, let's just do it in paper. And then like we try it. And I'm like, it just doesn't look no, like us. And so, yeah. yeah. Florence wants to fiddle with it. It's not like a, she's never necessarily disliked the Hessian, but it's like um, we have the same thing with our website quite often where she looks at it and it's like, I want to change the fonts. Oh. <laughs> change the fonts again. Stop it. Step away. Um, but it's the same thing occasionally with the Hesse. I think you look at something so many times. It's like, yeah. is there another way we could do it? It's like, no, yeah. if it ain't broke. Yeah. If it ain't broke. Um, I know, yeah. I know. I know. No, we, we've come back to it again and again. And it works, man. It's like, it's super practical too. And especially on the bikes, it meant that they were more flexible so that we mm. could carry more at a time. And, it's nice because it contains the flowers, but it's soft enough that it doesn't bruise them when, when it touches them. And, you know, there are practical reasons as well. So it, it makes a really big difference. 
love it I'm really impressed that you didn't go do any you had no experience with flowers though when you started your business no because back then there's like loads of courses you can do now in varying um price points but back then really the only one was kind of McQueen's Mm. and it was all expensive and I only needed to know how to make a hand-tied bouquet. Like I didn't know, I didn't need to know how to make an arch or a centerpiece because it was just the one thing. Mm. Um, so I just watched loads of YouTube clips and did it. Read books and just, just do it and do it do badly. It. Yeah, right, my then... my first bouquets were awful, <laughs> but you know, it, you just it just you don't know they're awful at the time, you know, and and just keep going with it. And then I think I just. Um, I think when you're taking pictures of your work and you're sharing it and it's kind of associated with your name, um, you just take you just take a lot of pride in it. And so mm. I was like, just every week I'm still like, this has got to be the best one, yeah. yeah. Best one, yeah. let's go for it. <laughs> like trying to think of different palettes or, you know, you're really restricted by the varieties you can use. You know, there's so much, you know, today for, I was just doing the designs for the coming week. Um, and there's snake head fritillaries on there and it's just like mm. well, you know obviously they're amazing but there are people that don't know much about flowers and obviously because their heads hang down I can't get them because yeah. we get complaints that they're droopy and it's like no 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 yeah. that's, that's well, what they, like, they look are. like you know they are <laughs> and it's supposed to be like that and you can see them yeah. going like yeah of course they are yeah. <laughs> but it, it costs us money you know whether we're refunding or sending another bouquet or just hours in admin actually of our customer service team having to tell people no that's a fertility like that's how it looks and you know so there are so many flowers that I'd love to put in the bouquets but actually I have to be smart about it and know that we're not just sending to flower lovers who know things you know sending to people that are comparing them to supermarket flowers and you know the longevity of a supermarket bouquet compared to I mean that's another question but yeah it's um but your yeah. color palettes and mm. the, the names of your bouquets are just lovely they I just I think it's like before even just looking at the two pictures and seeing the names there's a story there already and it and they are just gorgeous and I love that it's just two options take it or leave it you know it's those two it's just yeah it, beginning I was so worried that people would be cross there was only two options but no one's ever cared like literally no one has no. ever and I mean at the, at the beginning it was partly that doing one thing well small but perfectly formed but also mainly because um just oh sorry um mainly also because we couldn't afford the waste so it's quite so even so at the moment we're selling out the whole time which is brilliant mm. uh, but throughout our history obviously you're guessing your numbers each week and we replenish our stock throughout the week so um it's less an issue of demand and more an element of consistency so where we have a period of time where people where we're selling a relatively consistent number of flowers and that that's fine because you've got an idea and you, you can sort of see things in the pipeline like the last week of the month um tends to be very slightly busier because of payday and that sort of thing. No, the first week of the month. Well, it depends where you have a clear week. Yeah. yeah, you can kind of guess when payday is for most people, and then yeah. and then that week, you know, is maybe like five ten percent busier. So you have, you can account for that. Um, but generally, that's that's so much of the challenge is wastage for us, right? Or on a normal week, so like last week, no, last week's not a normal week. That was Valentine's Day. On this week, you can see it now. Actually, we will we will throw away no flowers. 
mm. in, the, in the entire week. And we'll send out however many bouquets we send out, but we will literally will not throw away a single flower. And, and that, a lot of how the business works, especially at the price that we're at, is predicated on that and being right about how many we're going to sell next week. Um, and is that's, that just experience? Is that just looking back yeah, at previous it, years? It's, no, it's a few things. Yeah. Well, also, we um, so like to put him next door. I'm going to put you up. Sorry. The dog is. Oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi. Right, I'm just going to pop, I'm just going to pop him next door <laughs> before he drops him off. And you can answer that. Yeah, so um, we actually, we got really lovely. Um, open rate I think is the word but for our newsletters um everyone's really oh, sorry the dog's being really um everyone's really receptive and they actually open them and read them and um we were like anyone got any ideas of how we can not waste flowers and I think it was one of our customers was like had the idea of we, we've got something called the overflow list and so every now and then we'll open up it for people to be able to register and then we just sell bouquets at cost price so that we're not making a loss so i think they're like half price maybe so it, it, we don't exactly make any money on it but it means we're not throwing stuff away um so if we ever do get the order quantities wrong then we've got a kind of um like a buffer yeah and they go within seconds so it's really That's good amazing. because every person yeah. getting the, you know, they might, they might be two days older than we would usually sell, but that's all clearly written. So people know that. Um, and, and yeah, so they get a good deal on flowers and, and we don't lose any money. So, um, mm. so we've got that as our kind of backup with it, but the numbers thing is, is hard because so, I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto Cornwall in a bit, but um, we're trying to, plant numbers to know how many to grow so that I just want to be able to put one or two of our own flowers in with the bouquets but I mean it's a great problem to have but as we get busier I'm not able to the stuff I've planned already and that I've grown we haven't got enough at the moment to go into the bouquets we're not forecasting correctly at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always just like this here's just a trial it's fine well, and that and that thing that wasted thing is always going to be a challenge you know I, there's there are there are financial implications there's obviously the idea that you know for us it's just it's a bleak image I mean people people have that idea in their heads I think of after weddings really understandably um of a lot of flowers with a good week on someone's desk left in them being thrown away mm. um, after being used for eight hours you know or looked at for eight hours and 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 they're right to 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 find that yeah bleak as I say um, it's the same thing for us at the end of a week if we've got it wildly wrong and we you know we're chucking away 50 bouquets that are great because it would cost us money to give them away because it would you know we have to send flowers to people. we have to pay for packaging we have to pay for the delivery service we have to pay for all those things you know we can't we can't re really do that so so finding solutions to those problems where i think in the past people would have just chucked them in the bin like and and you can sort of once you're in it you can understand why because you know, primarily they don't want to lose money and they can't send flowers in six months' time if they keep doing stuff like that. Um, so finding those sorts of solutions and, and, and being as correct as we can be about how many we're going to sell is, is, is tricky, it's interesting. It does mean things like, I don't know, last week, you know, we're not using a software. There's no spreadsheet with formulas in it here. We literally, Florence, myself and Becky, each week will 
we'll have a chat and be like, well, how many do we think we might sell next week? And at what points? Because we get three deliveries of flowers during the week and, and that sort of thing. So you're trying to gauge how busy Valentine's Day is going to be, but then how much is going to drop off for a few days afterwards? Because who sends people flowers on the 15th and 16th of February? Turns out loads of Turns out quite a few people. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you send out seven days a week, don't you? We do, seven yeah. Days we, a week. We, we only don't send out on, we shut for a week at Christmas mm. and uh, bank holidays. Well, there's a day after a bank holiday a because CPD don't um, collect. collect on that day, yeah. So it's probably, I don't know, what's that, about 30 days of the year, maybe? We don't we do the run? That's intense. Yeah, yeah it's quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the uh, time of COVID, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, but also in the same way, it's... It's a treat because we, especially down here, we're lucky enough to still see people. Mm -hmm. uh, the the Patalon's based on the same farm that we live on, so um, so we're 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 lucky in some ways. That in the last year, we still have interaction. You know, even during the lockdowns, we still have we still have some human. I was going to say human contact is perhaps a poor choice of words, but yeah, no hugging, uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but there's but humans seeing humans. That are I mean, that was also like nice. part of why Valentine's was so hard was because our child was sent back from you know his class had closed for two weeks. We had to pretend as if we had COVID, so that in case we had it, that we didn't give it to everyone in the barn. So for those busy weeks, we couldn't go into work, and I had to make you know hundreds of bouquets. Yeah. So I just went into one of the outbuildings on my own. Oh. <laughs> Wearing a mask and a sad face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two degrees. So cold. <laughs> oh man, it's just not good. It's not so good. So before we go on to your move to Cornwall, because I really want to talk about that. Um, at what point did Petalon become uh, a business that you were both uh, employed by? I know, um, James. It seems like you were you two have both been very involved in the business right from the start. But when did it become something that you were both like, no, we need we need both of us for this? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I have in the same way that, that France was was involved in my business early doors, and uh, but I'm keen that when I say that, I'm very keen to stress that Pethlon is Florence's business. I work for Florence. Um, in in every in every way like where is it there's no there's no like conceit there whatsoever that's that is absolutely the truth and and she deserves um 99 of the credit for where pattern is now and becky yeah. probably deserves the other percent but um i there was there was a gradual process france talks about the very beginning where i was selling more bikes than she was selling flowers and that was um that was lovely for a very short period of time for me not bad um and then as things quite quickly grew with Patalon and these things started to cross over it, it was just a gentle increase where it took more and more of my time. I mean, I think she always knew that she could rely on me. And, you know, when she was ill, which does happen when you're riding a bike for seven hours a day for um, about 50 weeks of the year, you, you know, she knew that if she needed me, I would always, I could always step in and I could, I could kind of help wherever I needed to help. And then that became more of a regular occurrence. And that became like, Oh, well, okay, well, why don't you look after, this part, this part, and this part, and and then that started to grow, and then and then when I cried doing the accounts one too many times, James said, "I'll just do it." Guys, not very gender progressive, is it? But <laughs> the, real, the reality is that Florence is crap with maths. Unfortunately, yeah. she also happens to be female, and the two things are not intrinsically linked. She's just bad at maths, um, <laughs> and uh, and that's fine. Um, and I actually quite like doing the accounts. 
Um, I like graphs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so stuff like that started happening. I would, I would take over certain sections of it where it just actually just made more sense. Um, and I was starting to, to scale back what I was doing anyway. I'd been making bikes for five or six years and I actually was just losing the love a bit and and was really enjoying all the work I was doing with Petalon. So so I was just doing more and more and more of it and taking over more bits where they where they became available. And then um and then last I've been full time since <laughs> the beginning of last year, really, I'd say. Um, or as full time as as, well, when we knew anything. when we knew we were moving down to Cornwall, yeah, I think change, things changed materially when we knew that we were moving with it, and there was a whole new area that needed looking after, um, that kind of suited the sort of stuff I, way I wanted to spend my week, which was standing up. Um, so, so it kind of it, it it came on quite slowly, but then quite quickly, just felt like it it had always been there because I'd always been there for the, you know theory conversations at 9 p.m. about you know what, the, what we were doing and how we were gonna um, go forward with it anyway it never seemed odd if you know what I mean and and and, and it, it, there was no there was no one moment where I suddenly went right this is me this is me now I'm now Petalons I don't know what I think uh, we decided, man. yeah, services manager we decided <laughs> my title was the posh word for janitor um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, that just, it just happened because everyone was happy with it. Um, and that's, isn't that a nice way to find a job? Absolutely. <laughs> it is absolutely. So you, so, so you went in full time into uh, Petalon at the beginning of last year. And then you, you, you had a move to Cornwall beginning of last year also. How, how was that decision made? What was the drive that pushed you into the countryside? So we we talked about leaving London for a while. There was a kind of weird extra variable, which was that the last four years that we were in London, we were living in a, a property called the Old Dairy in Hackney, which is an old dairy, as you'd imagine, um, from back when Hackney was a village outside of London as opposed to in London. Um, and it's now a big old warehouse um, that's very cold, but has great light um, and, and had a kind of... I'd say a flat attached to it. We sort of, we turned some of the rooms in the building into a flat. Um, and we ran the main space as a as a shoot location and as a wedding venue so that we could afford to pay the rent on the whole property because it's a big, big commercial building and, and, and even by London standards, a lot of rent. So it kind of needed to be a business at the same time. And the, the experience of it, it was an amazing place to live so i should say first and foremost but it was it was kind of like living in a barn conversion you didn't own um and it left us in this kind of this position of privilege where we'd had all this space and all this opportunity to do what we want with this big building in london but it wasn't ours and we were going to come to the end of a lease and we were going to have to move and we were either going to have to go back to renting a studio flat now with two children which we didn't have. And a, great start, day. and a great day. <laughs> which, which we had done before, but not with the children. Um, or leave London. And we were kind of at that stage anyway, and we were hoping to buy somewhere that we could live and, and looking at what we could afford. You know, the, the equation was fairly simple, which was, well, you can have a one-bed ex-council flat on the road you currently live on, or you could have a farm with fields and three barns in North Cornwall. Um, and, and, you know, there's stuff in between those two, obviously, lots of things in between those two, but, but we've always, we've always loved this part of the world anyway. And, um, 
and we didn't have any particular preconceptions of where we wanted to be. We didn't really want to move back to where we grew up. Um, we kind of knew that, but we didn't know very much else. But we knew we wanted space. We knew we wanted interesting buildings. You wanted and, to get into fun sea. And I wanted to be near the sea, a fun part of the sea. Uh, yeah. um, so, so that was, you know, it kind of, the, the pieces sort of fell together with that. And then this, this property came up on auction, actually, before, before we were ready to sort ourselves out yet, not least because we didn't have any money. Um, and we were on holiday, I think, when it came up and we couldn't get to the auction anyway. And I was kind of like, oh, don't worry about it. We downloaded it, had a little look, and we're like, da, 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 work. And then uh, I got a phone call the next week from a rather charming auctioneer saying, oh, Mr. Kennedy, I saw that you downloaded the, the, the documents for Scotland Farm, but um, you didn't attend the auction. I was just like, no, no, I didn't. It's very sweet of you to call. Um, and he was just like, well, it didn't sell. I was wondering if you were still interested. And we were like, oh, God. <laughs> we were at Kempton Market. I remember down at uh, the race called Sunbury um, down in southwest London, uh, looking at looking at knackered old pieces of um, trendy hipster furniture. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we literally jumped in our car, drove to Heathrow, so only about 15 minutes from there, flew down to Newquay and saw it that day. And then, um, and it was yeah. like Miss Honey's cottage, you know, Matilda, where like it, it was so unloved and black with mold, but had wisteria all in bloom mm. on the outside and loads of wild aquilegia everywhere and bluebells in the garden. It was like, oh, I know it's soggy, but it is just like, yeah, it was just we've got to do it. So, so we kind of found a way. And then, um, so we were going to move down anyway in, in last spring, and um, and then we kind of part, uh, not not least as a result of COVID, Petalon became a lot more self-contained. And and while we'd considered running it from here, from a distance, and having it in London, it suddenly seemed to make a lot more sense actually to just bring but, everything. Yeah, in. I think we always thought we'd have like oh, we'd have a London studio, mm -hmm. and then we could just go up to London every six weeks or something. And then because of COVID and James and I had to just take over again, whereas because I've been on maternity leave, you know, it had been ticking along without us. But actually, as soon as you got back into like the thick of it, it was like, oh, my God, why are we spending so much on labels or, you know, why are we doing it this way? Or, you know, so many decisions that it's not like anyone had been doing it wrong. It's just, I guess, because it's not their business that why would they question how we are doing things? Whereas then as soon as James and I were in it and, it was like last Mother's Day, wasn't it, really, around mm. like when COVID really kicked off and we were and we were just on our own. In, it was just really weird time. Anyway, we, and we got the flowers out and it was, we just didn't know whether it was a hangover for Mother's Day, but then we were just so busy because of lockdown, I guess people sending flowers they couldn't be with, with that it's like, well, there's no way we can leave Petal on here. Like, it has to come down with us. And so James got a roof on the barn <laughs> so that we could turn it into I mean before we decided to bring Petal down we're like maybe it's big enough to have it as like a venue hire or something and, you know we didn't remember really... venue hire <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just the perfect barn for us to work in and yeah yeah once, once we are, that switch kind of clicked in our heads we um I don't know we don't mess around generally but uh but it even more so than usual, that was just one of those moments where like, cool, we're doing this now, are we? And then by three days later, it was just the most obvious and solid decision in the world. And, and we just got on with it. And by the time we got down here, 
it's weird when we when, when we talk about it now it feels like I mean it obviously was a decision that was made but now we're here it seems inevitable like that, that that's what would have happened and that it suits the business so perfectly but I mean at the time we had loads of anxiety about it we didn't know whether our customers in London would be bothered like they yeah. might be upset yeah. that we're no longer a London so yeah we, business didn't, we and, didn't actually announce that we were down here for a long time partly because I I couldn't be bothered to be COVID shamed because we didn't break any rules because our lease was up. We this wasn't a second home. But by the time you're trying to explain that to someone, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm nobody's business anyway. <laughs> yeah. and also, like eighty percent of our like orders that went out were to Londoners, so we had to stop the bicycles anyway because, well, our delivery drivers weren't comfortable ringing lots of doorbells, which is totally fair enough. And then I I wasn't really comfortable with them coming back into the studio in case. They had got something and then, you know, the people that were, you know, I had two florists that we were still employing as well. And so just like, you know what, no bikes until this has just calmed down. So then everything was postal. And I thought for me, that was like a huge, you know, our name is a play on words for a group of cyclists. Like it, it was such a big part of our business and it felt like such a huge change to be like, right, no more bikes, but nobody cared. (laughs) And it was like, but not nobody cared but it's like it was so understandable so, yeah, yeah, like, people, people, yeah, people yeah, yeah. Were coming and I was like you know our people whole, were very reasonable our imagine. whole thing was that <laughs> yeah. our whole thing was that we were same day delivery was a huge plus for us that you know you, if you ordered by midday they'd be out on the bikes and they'd be with you you know any time up until sort of five-ish um I was like oh my god we're going to lose so much business because we're not same day anymore no no one cares they just do next day it was it was fine so then by the time we're sending it by post anyway it's like well there's absolutely no reason for us to be paying rent for a London postcode like Mm. we could just do that from the barn and yeah so I just until we'd got everything working smoothly I was like I actually just don't really want to advertise that we're down here yet Mm. and uh, so we're down here for a good couple of months maybe three months and then um and then it felt like the right time with it all and it's just you know trying to find staff down here you don't we didn't have any mates down here or anything and um I managed to yeah find an amazing group of florists and studio help and it felt really good to be able to offer some employment for florists down here because two things florists down here need wedding industry and uh hotels and you know rental accommodation you know holiday lets those are where they're giving their flowers well no one's going on holiday no one's getting married so like it was devastating down here for the floral industry because okay they can repurpose their flowers for home deliveries and stuff and then lots of them did think on their feet and stuff but yeah it's just it's really it's infrastructurally super difficult and you know a lot of florists have started doing deliveries and, and that's awesome like but but it takes time to nail down how to do a lot of that stuff practically Mm -hmm. and actually just to have the kind of the the um momentum as much as anything else that a person who delivers flowers you know the people who really like you know but but actually flower delivery being what it is you need a lot of people to know what you're doing Mm -hmm. for that to work because it's a low ticket item you know you've got you've got to sell quite a lot of delivery Mm -hmm. flowers you know however many weddings you might normally do a year it's a very different kind of customer base so it's mm. it's um it's brutally so, tough and your business has definitely been built on on the the flower delivery that's you know that's the that's oh, the, yeah. 
of it and so that will always carry on and I suppose other florists are doing a bit of delivery just to survive aren't they until this is over yeah. and then you know when this is all over you've already made the change in a year of change you know going down to Cornwall and setting it all up and let's just hope all these venues open up and all the other florists can get back to work yeah fingers crossed we're lucky enough to be near to be near a few um, amazing ones down here so um yeah no I mean we're crossing our fingers for them really yeah yeah and um when you were looking to to move was growing something that was in your mind or is it just because you found this amazing farm with land no i think we wanted to <laughs> i think we were like what you can't move to the middle of nowhere and not and we tried to buy the fields with the house but they they was they have a policy they only rent um their land so we're, we're renting our flower field um but I've never grown flowers before. Never grown anything before. No. <laughs> um, really bad at keeping houseplants away if it's that cliche. Houseplants are totally <laughs> different. <laughs> Terrible at keeping houseplants away. Um, but like, yeah, you just you you just can't not and, and there's loads of people that grow down here because it's actually quite hard to get sometimes to get reliable Dutch deliveries down here. So when I'm trying to plan what time staff arrive for work. So in London, our flower deliveries would be made in the night. So I don't know, anytime before 5 a.m., my florist would start work at 7 a.m. The flowers would be in the studio, they'd open them, tip them off and work. But here, obviously it takes longer <laughs> to get to Cornwall. So I suddenly, like a week before we moved down, I'm like, oh my God, what time are the flowers gonna get here? <laughs> And so it's like, well, what time can I have people? What I can't have florists turn up and there not be any flowers for them to work with. So the whole like logistics of our day is completely different to how it was back in London. Um, and I had to fight tooth and nail and persuade my importers to, to come as far as, as as we are in Cornwall, which is about as far as you can go. In fairness, but I mean, the it's an understandable logistical challenge, and if we weren't the size that we presently are you know if it had been the business two years ago they wouldn't mm, basically yeah. and we would have i don't know what i don't know what we would have done. we would have done something very different but but you can see how there's a greater demand then for stuff that's traveled less distance down here there are obviously a lot of other very good reasons for buying stuff that's traveled less distance but but it's interesting that there's an economic pressure down here that perhaps isn't in the southeast of england which is that actually if you want especially interesting varieties and that sort of thing you know you can't go to new Covent garden market mm. i don't know what the nearest wholesale flower market is to here to be honest but i imagine it's probably in plymouth yeah um which is about two hours away wow. um so so i mean and it, i'm gonna go on a limb and say it's not huge um but the the practicalities of that mean that it kind of makes people do interesting things you know and we're not that far from the Isles of silly where loads of flowers are grown and cornwall has barely any frosts um so you know you can actually grow for a slightly longer season here and the stuff comes out a bit earlier and, and you i was know, reading your blog about the, fro the frost though and you said they don't get any and then you've had three this year yeah we've got some cold damage on our ranunculus we're very upset about france has been totally cool about it I'm fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 you do i mean it's a very noticeable difference you know we still obviously have friends and family in the whole of the rest of the country and in times like last week when everyone else is like we've got snow we're like oh it is wet but like you know it's not 
it, it doesn't it just doesn't dip as clearly as low as everywhere else because we're so close to the sea yeah um so there are you know there are some really really useful things to being damaged but I, I think also still with the growing we knew we'd never be able to grow enough of stuff to be able to make a whole bouquet of our own stuff just for the number of bouquets that we send in a week and not least because as we said earlier we wouldn't know how many that is until nearer the time and obviously yeah, we'd, plant, we'd plant to cut you know months and months in advance so so you know we'd be i'd be impressed if we got that right um and also things like you know foliage i mean you should have set a planning of foliage five years ago if you <laughs> so uh, for, uh, it was it was clear that we were never going to be able to do a whole bouquet on our own because it's only about what two acres that field yeah, yeah. Um, and it's on a slope, so not all of it is is usable. Um, and also, we've never grown flowers before. So we did a course with Rachel at Green and Gorgeous, which was great. And um, one of the... Um, she, she actually started by conditioning, where she's got a flower farm, a lady called Claire, um, down at Hendra Farm Flowers. Um, so she comes once a week just to, like, point us in the right direction and help with it all. And it's been, like, I'd be lost without her. Um, and... So we've been sort of planning our crops and things, but um, we're just trying to be really transparent. And I, we're obviously trying to do our best with, you know, making sure we use sensible packaging and uh, carbon neutral service and donating to sort of conservation charities. But never batting away from the fact that, yes, no, we, we do use imported flowers. Our business, it has to run 12 months a year. We can't just... You know, it would be lovely to use just British if there was enough variety. And also our customers are buying off a picture mm. and it needs to look like that picture. So if I'm replenishing that stock throughout the week, I say I have 200 uh, white delphiniums on a Monday. I need to be able to get another 200 on a Wednesday and another 200 on a Friday. And it, But if they've run out of white delphiniums, do you see what I mean? I, I have to be able to get something that looks like that because my customers aren't necessarily people who um, uh, know about flowers no. or, or know, know about, you know, they're just like, well, it doesn't look like the picture. No, no. And so... Um, Quite the, almost the opposite in that sense because we're obviously, you know, we work in this industry and you guys are heavily involved in this industry and you understand too. And a lot of the people we have conversations with about this are of the same opinion, but 90% of our customers aren't. You know, and they don't care in some ways about where that flower came from. They want, they just want it to look nice or understandable reasons, and they don't want to cause harm or or do anything, you know, objectionable. But at the same time, they they want to be able to buy the product that they've been advertised, and and they don't, you know, see particularly why they shouldn't be able to do that. So there are there are kind of competing pressures, and there are loud voices for us who from within the industry who make very very good points about you know, the importance of the, uh, reducing, reducing the number of miles that are that the flowers travel. And that is, is a great point, you know, and, and we're, we're trying to do our best about that. And, and we are massively behind anyone who can do better. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we have, to, we have to be realistic about the fact well, that we, also, we have to balance so it. many growers when we came down here and nobody, nobody could, could couldn't get the numbers that we needed. Yeah. And the only thing I could get was, Alstro, I don't want, <laughs> want all that Alstro, and you know it, it grows really well down here, and that you know totally makes sense. But um, 
if for the look and feel of our bouquets and you know we're trying to strike that balance between good vase life interesting flowers it's like right well the way that we can do this and introduce to oh my god that dog (laughs) (laughs) we can um introduce them into you know interesting varieties that you can grow in this country is to be able to put one or two stems in so i've just shown all my rudbeckia you know you can get some varieties on the auction but the way that wholesale they're packaged it bruises the petals so i can't get zinnias on auction i can't get rudbeckia on auction because they just come either bent over or bashed and yeah it's just not workable but if we're growing them here i also don't know how far in advance they're cut over there so even yeah. though I'm buying them as fresh as I can off a web shop, you know, you don't know how long they've sat in the auction. Mm-hmm. So like, I I think zinnias would work well. I think they just need to be grown on our doorstep. And yeah. so anyway, so we've planted loads of those, which is very exciting. But I was going to say with the environmental, the environmental aspect of, of things, it's, it's like if everybody looks and goes, oh, I can't make all the changes because I can't be 100% sustainable and um, chemical free, that doesn't work what you have to do is is like you guys have done is look at your business and go right well we can do carbon neutral delivery we can do uh, recyclable or plastic free we can plant trees which i think is brilliant that you plant trees for the bouquets sold you know you can do you can put all these things into place that um that do make a change even if you can't change everything so our, our um our newsletter today actually which is written by beck um, who's our, the third director who isn't here? Um, she, the, the, we have a thing called something we love every week where we try and recommend a kind of product or show or service or, or podcast. Um, that, uh, <laughs> we like. And um, uh, the product this week is called All Plants, and they're, uh, they do a, it's a food, a meal delivery service um, that's uh, good, imagine. Um, and uh, uh, with that, they do a lot of things, but one of the, the key parts of their philosophy is the is that exactly what you're saying, Jess, which is the the idea that if we all try to do better imperfectly, then we'll we'll make a hell of a lot more progress than if we all try to be perfect all the yeah. time because it's yeah. just it's simply not realistic and it's a it's an issue I have, which I think it, it can be quite generational. Um, if I'm going to make some sweeping generalizations, I feel like it's one of the stumbling blocks for the baby boom generation that has been the idea that. You know this is so big actually it's like if i change that that's not going to make any difference mm. actually like that's not the thing and it's still we still got this and you're still driving a diesel car and you've got whatever else so so what's the point uh and i think you know perhaps some of the younger generation are slightly more comfortable with the idea of like well why don't we just make individually decent mm. choices you know as um anna says in frozen 2 uh-huh. do, the, do the next right thing which is <laughs> Every single, every single time you have one of those you actually have an option to try and pick the better one within the limits of of, of practicality and of life which you know yeah. and, and we tried to do that from the beginning which was that we never set ourselves up as being a, a in inverted commas green company which people don't really say anymore thankfully um but but for the for the areas where we had a choice yeah. to obviously make the choice you know we can't morally we didn't feel we would never have felt comfortable sending out a product in non-recyclable or biodegradable packaging 
because that's messed up. Like no one should be doing that. Like just obviously, not not through like it's not impractical not to do. It's not that hard. It costs a little bit more sometimes, but like it's not that much. And and it's just one of those obvious decisions that you should that you should really be making. And if you've got a choice between couriers and one of them's carbon neutral and they're not mm. that different in price, then you should be using the carbon neutral courier. Like you know that sort of stuff is just it but should be it, a given. It's tricky. I I have found. Like, obviously, there's been a lot of chat on Instagram at the moment, especially around Valentine's Day. And it's just, I think people have to be really careful not to judge or um, make other florists feel bad for using imported flowers. And I, I really struggled with it. And I didn't want to get into any mudslinging or anything. You know, Instagram is my sales channel. That's where I get income, where I can put food on the table. It to be able to use British the whole year round would mean we'd have to down tools for six months of the year. I've got 10 members of staff. Like what are they just not meant to feed their families for like, I can't just fire people for six months of the year. And I've got accused of having to make deep change if I was going, and it's just like, what <laughs> that deep change. Like, yeah. The industry, <laughs> Florence I, I, is cool <laughs> about this. I don't know if you can tell she's <laughs> there is a lot of shaming the hat that especially over valentine's day and yeah, i felt and that i think a lot of people that are doing the shaming maybe are married to a barrister or live in a wonderful big house with a walled garden and a moat or you know their customers are very um rich and you know they they can afford that whereas actually your normal everyday florist this is them living and to be able to not earn money for six months a year, especially when like we're both in the same it's not like James has another business like this is our income mm. so although uh, James James does have a digger and he could dig you a moat yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, is I don't, there a digger in the driveway the moment, digger, maybe. I, don't, I don't own it but I am looking so yeah. <laughs> I've been, it strikes me as the sort of thing you shouldn't buy on eBay but it doesn't mean <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not going to get in, into it, but it's just, you know, all we can do is be as transparent as possible yeah. so that customers can make their own decisions. Yeah. And like for me, it's being able to show, I mean, how cool would that be to think of like a Sahara Rudebeckia being on a kitchen table in the middle of Birmingham? Like what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of, you know, to be able to actually showcase flowers that people are like, oh my God, I've never seen that before. What is that? And you know, it, for me, I have to strike that balance between an interesting flower that we can grow that has good vase life mm -hmm. and also smell like the things I get imported don't really. I mean, I try and get two bureaus wherever I can or, you know, when the seasons allow it, we can get kind of mint and things like that. But um, there's a chance for us to be able to put some scent into our bouquet. So when you open the box, it's like, oh, flower, like smells like flowers. Um, so I think our attitude is that. You know, if we can do that, you can help, you can potentially help to educate people in terms of where the flowers come from by being really transparent about our journey, moving from relying wholly on exports to growing some of the flowers ourselves. We can be super honest about our own teething problems mm. and the issue we have in doing that, which are many already, um, but are really interesting and have been super interesting for us. And we like to think are interesting for other people as well, because you know, it doesn't necessarily mean people would do things on the same scale, but they might be interested in doing the same thing too. And what they probably don't need is someone telling them three years down the line, look how great I am at this now. It's probably quite useful to see idiots like us 
trying to do it now and making loads of mistakes because they might be the same sorts of ones that they might make too or that they might seem to make. And but it's if, lovely. If it's really lovely. That side of it, then I think that's that's super do you know that's always going to be super helpful. Yeah. But by doing what we're doing at the moment and being transparent about the stage of that journey that we're on, I guess what we're trying to do is leave, you know, have a little bit of faith in the people we sell our flowers to, let them make their own decisions about what they want to buy, as long as we're giving them free and transparent information about exactly what that is. And I think I think it's reasonable to ask people to do that, to be open and honest about what they are selling and not to pretend that they're selling something that they're not. But I, but I don't think it's right to, you know, to, to shame or to, or to try and change people into doing exactly what you're doing because mm-hmm. you think that, that is the best way of doing things yeah. necessarily. I mean, ultimately, you have to leave the decision with the people who are spending their money. Yeah, you know, yeah. growing locally and selling locally is great if you live in an affluent area. But, you know, our customers are sending to people in a city, you know, that's just not an option in a lot of those places. And the fact that we have, there's lots of British growers that send flowers with us, with us which is, to me, I'm like, that's cool. That's really, that makes me feel. That is a big compliment. Yeah, it makes <laughs> me feel really good about about it. And then we've got you know, flowers from Florence by Clarence. Is that James's flowers? Yes, Clarence. He's just down the road. So we give him all our cardboard boxes from our, uh, when we get flowers arrived. So he then uses, reuses them. He just them drove to, past the window actually while we were <laughs> <laughs> um, so He reuses our boxes to be able to send out to the rest of the country. So, uh, so we've got him on our doorstep as well for when we can. And we're, we're trying to organise doing a wholly British bouquet for the summer months. But I had this grand idea that I'm amazing if I could have like the Cornish Collective and mm. I could find lots of pockets of growers and then you can grow this and you can grow that and then we'll have like a Cornish bunch. Does anybody want to? No. no. <laughs> 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 <It was listed>. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been in touch with some other growers in the country and um we're gonna work out. I think we'll work it, it just out. Won't so, be Cornish. It just might have yeah. it might have more than twine. <laughs> Well, um, I'm at the, I was going to say about your your story and your and your blog and your website and everything that you really have you know you're you're a really known brand and people love your your bouquets and they're loving your stories and I'm watching everything you do on your blog because I'm at the same stage of growing so it's my first year of growing as well. Oh, so when your stuff is coming up and I'm like yes or like the other day I was like my ranunculus are bigger than yours. <laughs> and it's the only time i was like oh yes i must be doing something right because <laughs> oh you're doing everything right uh, I, I just realized yeah. well, i was like oh well we'll get like landscape fabric and then because i we just how are we meant to weed all of this i'll just get landscape fabric we'll put holes in it and then um <laughs> is it swan cottage it was really helpful yes. for sick plants and she's just like you shouldn't have covered them i'm like Thinking about it, I've not seen anyone else cover this. <laughs> no, I think you're you're right. You can. I've been doing. I did the green and gorgeous growing uh, course as well, which is amazing. And I've also been doing one online, which is run by um, Claire Brown from Plant Passion and two others who I always forget, and they're absolutely wonderful as well. Yeah. And, uh, and so there, and there's a lot to be said for covering covering it with burnt holes and other people don't. And so uh, yeah. there's, there's no right or wrong way. I have a mother-in-law that- can't This is a trial, man, yeah. Also the, the inner scientist in me is really excited about the um, the amount of doubt because there are there isn't a prescribed way of doing quite a lot of different parts of it. I'm just like, we can test, we yeah. can do you can do two different things next to each other and see what works better which is just like so exciting for me yeah. so. 
Um, it is, it's, it's really fun. exciting. Well, yeah, we've run out of space in the greenhouse to be able to just find once we propagate things and then they come up and then I'm like, I have nowhere to put them. Now oh. they are here. I have to get them off the heat bench. And, and so James has made another mini sort of heat bench thing. I basically I saw a Florette, who is the Oracle, that yeah. like, right, we need some LED lights and we need some heat mats. Oh. And then we just... And it bloody worked! I couldn't yeah. believe it! <laughs> It's a strip light. <laughs> Ultimately, it's a strip light in a shed above a heat mat with a thing on it, and they bloody germinated. I can on it. Florence sent a picture to our little WhatsApp group the other day, and I was just I was in wicks, and I just did a little happy dance. I couldn't honestly couldn't James believe it. James is always in wicks. I honestly, no, journey. Um, well, I, honestly, I was buzzing. I, I just when stuff like that actually comes off, and that's the experimentation side of it with these things. It's just like you know. I don't know. That's, I was I was genuinely like excited and amazed that yeah. something that, that yeah. actually translated into a plant growing um, in what looks like my A level science classroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was it was brilliant. Yeah, it is. It it's like the little smoke. The um, polytunnel. I forgot. I did it too late last night. And because those the LEDs are on the whole time, it just looks like this art installation on the hill, just this glowing yeah. shed. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. But it's lovely when things do work. I remember reading something about how tricky Larkspur is to germinate because it needs that time of cold before. So yeah. somebody said, put your seeds in the fridge. So I put my seeds yeah. in the fridge and I planted them. And I've got, I thought I'd have a few of them. And I've got hundreds and hundreds of these beautiful, healthy well, looking Larkspur. Send us your notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll stop those, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's just lovely. And, and, um, you get a complete sense of satisfaction out of it don't you something from a very tiny seed to growing and then thinking yeah. that you're going to be able to cut it and then send it all over the country to somebody to enjoy on their kitchen table is lovely yeah. I love that. I mean, it, it does sound like such a cliche but like the winter has been dark <laughs> down here and I think actually having that constant okay there's tasks to do mm. you know James gets to hire a digger mm. like you know, and just that planning and like, you know, like, oh, and I, I think it's really hard for me to get my head around that there are actually going to be flowers in the field. And then we got, um, so we did a test whilst our polytunnel was being built in July and we bought loads of little chrysanthemum plugs. And so like, you know, just we've got something that blooms this year and we learned so much from it, mm. just about kind of like, obviously you have like some at the beginning and then you have a massive flush and then it kind of drabs down again. And I didn't really kind of put that into my equation of how many plants we should be growing so it was super helpful on kind of like a maths level of like okay well we need to be planting three times as much as this and in my head I was like well you know a chrysanthemum plant has what like three flowers on each plant it's like yes but they don't all come at the same time so <laughs> you know trying to work that into how we could use it because I mean we had loads of really lovely plants but like only a handful really we could use in the bouquets so um yeah it's just a trial so hopefully it means that for this year we'll be a bit better no pressure. No yep. pressure. Yeah. I think yeah I'm, I'm looking at mine that in the in the next three years that there'll definitely be flowers loads of flowers this year next year even more and by years three and four the foliage that I've planted will kind of yeah. be coming into it. its own and it'll be lovely it'll look just be absolutely great but yeah I'm I'm very jealous of your space I think I've got about a third of an acre 
potentially yeah. with able to like add on to the side of it if, as yeah. it grows bigger but yeah my polytunnel is nothing compared to yours and I was looking at pictures of yours oh, yeah. I was yeah. so jealous <laughs> yeah, they, are. they are big they um they currently come up so it turns out Google Earth works out where buildings are automatically right because when you zoom in on where we are on Google Earth because I was trying to work out where South was the other day um the two buildings that come up are our house our barns don't come up like in that gray outline you know yeah. the building but one of the two polytunnels does brenda <laughs> bertha doesn't brenda <laughs> comes up as a building on google earth so and, and soon and soon the poultry palace also <laughs> poultry palace. A weird shaped building. Yeah. <laughs> oh it all just sounds so lovely and idyllic down there and I know you've got a lot of hard work to do but when you were describing your little cottage earlier with it with the the damp and the wisteria honestly <laughs> my heart just yearns for that, that is, you are you are I'm going to be where you are in the future with the with well, the we, if you need cottage. any damp or wisteria we have plenty of <laughs> oh just <laughs> love damp just love, love a bit of damp. damp yeah, yeah. House isn't at home without a bit, a bit of damp and some creaky floorboards, is it? <laughs> I mean, it Put a sofa in front of it, it'll be fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Dave's is in DIY heaven, you know. I just don't know where these endless tasks are going to stop. I think you'll be, you'll be busy for a while. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like I say to, to my husband, we're just living in a in a, an ex-council house that needed completely renovating, which we've done. And now we're desperate to move. But he was saying, oh, no, we, I need to we need to live here for a little while because, you know, we've got to enjoy living in it. And we had one weekend so far where he didn't have any jobs to do. Um, so he redecorated the boys bedroom and started touching up bits here, there and everywhere and doing a whole load of jobs. He's like, I can't do it. I'm just so bored. So I'm looking for the next project. So I think if you've got if you've got that in you that you always need to be yeah doing and, jobs yeah fine. and with this place because we, we've been to an auction I think I guess that's why the auctioneer rang you so we've been to an auction like in deepest darkest Cornwall that we didn't get and I remember at the time I was so heartbroken because <laughs> I was like that was our forever home and it was just yeah, we just couldn't afford what it went through on the auction. And James had taken reflective sunglasses to the auction and everything. It was, you know, very... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but so then I think at the time I was like, well, that's just, you know, we're never going to find anywhere as perfect ever again. <laughs> and it turned up and it was just like, oh, no, 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 this is way better. Like, this is much more us and just... There's one thing you can rely on this country for is hilarious old buildings um so you know I, I think we all it's never think that we've seen the last very strange rural property because <laughs> there are there are lots of them out there and i see quite a few of them driving around here on a daily basis just having the right keywords on zoopla yeah that's all it is that's all it is i think we had like an acre is the big two yeah derelict an acre well that's my afternoon i'm gonna start <laughs> <laughs> so to finish off what's next for for petalon then because you are you relaunching a website oh, <laughs> oh. we are so close are so close. it was meant to be done in september and here we are um but it's i great. think I think it sounds really simple. You've just got two products and you sell them seven days a week, but it is not so simple. <laughs> <laughs> and I think because of the way the inventory works, I mean, I'm not going to bore you with it. I am a little bit. 
but um, in that it has the stock has to come from three different deliveries that we get in for two different bunches for two different bunches. So the the back end of the site is an absolute nest. It's just swan's legs. Yeah, and so um, it's just been sorting that out. And I we have got like the most. It's so flattering. Our return rate from customers is just. It makes me very, very happy. What makes me not happy is I've got no way really to like nice and concisely thank people for their loyalty. And I was like, all I want is a coffee card. I just want a coffee card where you go to your coffee shop, you get five stamps. But on the internet. Yeah, but on the internet. Mm. Could I find it? (laughs) Was there a Shopify app? No, nothing. If you want 18 points per bouquet you buy and then be able to exchange those points at a further date, (laughs) for pennies oh. then we there are lots of solutions yeah that. so i could only find <laughs> like loyalty schemes that were really complicated or just you know just didn't like marry up with what we were doing um but now we're having a website built from scratch oh. uh, we can do this oh. from scratch so um so we're getting this, so we've got this loyalty card which i'm really excited about so that then when people buy five bouquets they can get a six one free um and just loads of other cool stuff right on the website there's cool so. things there's videos there's everything it's got everything you can click on stuff it's, it's really great. Sounds there's nice amazing. Font. There's nice fonts, which for <laughs> Yeah, have you have you changed the font, or are you going to keep the same? I think by the time the website goes live, I'll want to change them again. Yeah, yeah. They're quite <laughs> um, no, there's, there's the website, and there's this. Everything's just ongoing here. We're we're finishing off the second greenhouse, hopefully next week, which is very exciting. It's sweet of you um, to say we. I'm finishing the second greenhouse. <laughs> We've just built some, some new raised beds up at the top for which are a bit smaller, but are for kind of trialing stuff. So we thought it'd be quite useful to be able to grow things in more like you know controlled quantities, like fifty of something rather than you know five hundred, um, so that we can kind of play around with whether it works with our soil and um, how it is once it's cut and that sort of thing, so that we know, then know that our oh, potentially maybe next year we'll we'll do that in a greater quantity. So. So we're going to start planting planting in there well in the next few weeks really, which is which is really exciting. Um, and we've got Mother's Day uh, coming up, which will be great fun. Valentine's uh, Day broke me, so Mother's Day is going to be warmer. Like, Mother's Day will almost be. definitely. Well, let's hope you're not stuck yeah. in a barn by yourself. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say the last beast from the east was a Mother's Day, and that has oh, also scarred me for life. Oh. So. Yeah, so, I've got. I don't buy it. It's going to be warmer. But no, we've got good things, and then we got the Cornish summer. Then we'll be welcoming welcoming the rest of the country <laughs> for a few months yeah. um, by the sounds of things. So, um, so it's going to be nice. Thank you so much, Florence and James, for chatting with us today. We love finding out about how your business has developed throughout the years, and also all of the exciting things to come. I am extremely, extremely, I can't say extremely enough times, envious. I am so desperate to buy the country wreck and, and do it up and, and live the good life. And you guys seem to be, seem to be, you know, growing your dreams down there. And I think it's just wonderful. Yeah, so absolutely. So good luck for the future. And uh, thanks so much for coming yeah. on. We will be turning up on the doorstep one day for a cup of tea as well, just to know it's on your house. <laughs> <laughs>